You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 79. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Laura Marzen, a registered dietitian about how to eat intentionally around the holidays, and her advice just might surprise you. We also talk about how she gets her children to eat more vegetables without bribing them or having meltdowns at the table. It's a slight departure from decluttering and organizing your space, but there's tons of overlap between being intentional about what you put in your home and the food you put in your body, as we discover in today's guest conversation. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, creator of littlegreenbow.com and your resident wannabe minimalist. I'm thrilled you are here with me, and can I just say that you are in for a treat today? No, not the kind you eat, but we are talking about holiday treats. This time of year, the weeks between the end of October through December, are some of the hardest on our waistlines. I mean, there are so many goodies and treats on display at every turn, beckoning us just to take a bite. So how can we be more intentional about what we eat without missing out on the good stuff, watching the scale climb, or feeling guilty? Well, thankfully, my guest this week has been helping women eat healthier and feel better for years, and since we have been friends for a few years now, I naturally reached out to her to have her on the show to help us out when it's harder to eat healthy. Laura Marzen is a registered dietitian who started her career as a nutrition specialist in the Better Homes and Gardens test kitchen. Yep, she worked on all those big name magazines you know and love to look through at the grocery checkout. There, she developed and tested recipes for a variety of magazines and cookbooks and appeared in cooking videos for both TV and online media. Now she's focusing her attention on her website, Fresh Food Bites, where she features healthy, approachable, family-friendly recipes that are gluten and dairy-free. In addition, she coaches women to help them improve their gut health and overcome IBS in a way that's practical and sustainable. Our discussions start with looking at how Laura became interested in digestive health and what it has to do with living an intentional life. There are so many similarities between cutting the crap out of your home and cutting out the junk that you eat, so I was thrilled to have a chance to connect with her on the show. Laura is a treasure trove of advice when it comes to eating well, but I love that she is reasonable and still loves to indulge now and again too. So when you are finished listening to this episode, be sure to head over to littlegreenbow.com slash 79 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Laura's website, her free guide, and to connect with her on Instagram. Again, you can find it all at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 79. And now let's get to our conversation. Hey, Laura, welcome to the Wanna Be Minimalist show. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, Deanna. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. So I have probably already said this in the intro, but you know, Laura and I have been friends in real life uh, for a while now, and I am so excited to have her on the show today because she has a blog herself about um, eating healthy and it's called fresh food bites. And it's all about, well, Laura, why don't you tell people a little bit more about you and your website and 
kind of what led you to being interested in living a life of intention? Cause I know minimalism isn't your thing, but there's a lot of similarities, I think with food and being intentional with your life. So that's why I was excited to have you on the show. Yeah, that, no, that's great, Deanna. Thank you. Um, yes, I have a website called Fresh Food Bites, and I'm really right now in a season of helping women who have digestive problems or IBS to become more aware of what they can do to get over their symptoms and overcome their IBS for the long term. And that is all about living intentionally, eating intentionally. And I got into it because. I've always been interested in my own health. I became a dietitian after all, uh, but I wasn't always intentional with how I was eating for my own needs. I battled digestive problems for a long time and it was just starting to interfere with my life. When I had children, it was just becoming more of a problem. And so I decided to get more intentional with my own health. And through that, I really started digging into functional nutrition because I really just wasn't satisfied with the treatment options that I was being told at my doctor's office. So I knew that, you know, knowing what I, what I already knew about nutrition, that I could get to the bottom of this. And so, um, that's what I did. And it really led me to being more intentional about what I put in my body and how I live my lifestyle, how I eat, what I eat and all of those things. So that's what it's all about for me. And I'm really passionate about helping other women do the same thing so that they can really live their own lives to the fullest. Oh, great. But I want to kind of take a minute there too, because not just, you know, yes, your focus right now is helping women who have food sensitivities or um, maybe have digestive issues, but you have this really great way of cooking um, with fresh food that's not processed, right? So you have um, lower processed foods, which I think is really helpful for families that, you know, are just leaving, li living such busy lives when it's so easy to go down the middle of the store and buy the box of mac and cheese, which, you know, there are days, trust me, I do the box mac and cheese sometimes too, but I try really hard. It's not that difficult actually to make real mac and cheese when you have learned to do it. And mac and cheese is not your deal because you do mostly gluten and dairy free stuff, but that's just kind of an idea, an example. So it's helpful for people that also do not necessarily have um, food sensitivities or don't necessarily need to eat a certain way, but do we just want to be healthy? And that I, I feel has been really helpful with your website as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, not, you know, for everybody, all women, all men, all kids do better when they don't eat as processed of foods. So if we can get back to cooking with, you know, fresh produce, meats, vegetables, whole grains, those kinds of things, everybody's going to be better off. So the more we can shift to that way of eating, the better off we're going to be. And it doesn't have to happen overnight, right? If you haven't been as intentional about cooking at home or about, you know, avoiding those, you know, seductive packaged foods that make, that can really make life really easy in the moment. But what we really want, what I really want to help people look at is what it does for our long-term health. Because, you know, if we start thinking about that, it's much better if we can 
focus on eating well now so that later we are as healthy as we want to be and can really live the life that we want to live. I agree with you when you say it doesn't have to have to happen overnight. The same is true with what I talk about with minimalism. I mean, I definitely don't think we should throw everything out. I think we need to be very conscientious about making things work for us and our families. And definitely during the pandemic, things slowed down. You know, we had less busyness. I do think it was a good time, especially in our home. We had fewer demands on our schedule. So it was easier for me to cook at home. And as things start to pick back up, I have found that I'm getting a little tighter toward the end of the week. I am looking more for kind of some shortcuts. So do you have some tips for preparing easy, healthy meals at home that can cut back on some of these processed foods? So we are not as tempted, uh, to go down those aisles that we shouldn't be. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's all about being intentional with what you really want to feed your family. So that's the number one thing that you have to just get into the right mindset so that you know that one of my overall goals is to cook more at home, using the fresh whole foods, getting away from the processed foods. So if you can make that switch in your mind, you're one step closer to getting on with that lifestyle and avoiding the processed foods. So number one is just setting that intention in your mind. And then the second thing that I really try to do for myself and I try to tell teach other people to do as well is to just take 30 minutes on the weekend. It, it really doesn't matter when you do it, but just take 30 minutes for the week and just make a plan. It doesn't have to be all perfect. Um, in fact, I think that taking things a little bit simpler at the get-go is a better way to go, but just make a plan so that you know that, hey, um, on Tuesday and Thursday this week, one of my kids has an activity after school or right during that kind of dinner cooking hour. So that's not going to be the greatest night for me to cook. So I need to plan ahead for those nights. And maybe I'm going to cook something, cook twice as much the night before so that I have some leftovers for that night when I know that I will be super busy. Or you can see if there's a part, uh, you know, some time earlier in the day, maybe it's over your lunch hour, if you're working from home, or if it's, you know, let's say you could get up 30 minutes early and just do a little bit of prep work so that you can get dinner on the table a little bit quicker when the time comes. Um, it's just all about creating a plan and making sure that you have some, have something ready to go for every night. And I don't, you know, not everybody loves leftovers. So if you're in that camp, you can do things like just cooking extra meat on one night and then just using it to make something different the next night. You know, maybe the first night you're, you're browning some hamburger and you're using it as sloppy joes or um, some other way, but then you take the rest and you turn them into tacos the next night. Or you can do that very easily with chicken if you're a chicken fan, um, where you just eat it plain the first night and then the next night you turn it into something different like a casserole or um, a pasta dish or something like that. Um, but the bottom line is keep things simple. You do not have to cook a gourmet meal every single night. Um, you don't even have to cook everything every every single night, you know? Fresh vegetables are just as good as 
cooked vegetables. Um, it's all about just making sure that you have those well-balanced meals on the table. Let's talk about those well-balanced meals because I am uh, the mom of a school-aged kid. And I feel like when she was a baby, it was so much easier, right? I mean, you'd grab the organic packets of the sweet potatoes and the kale and they ate those things and they loved it, you know, but Mm -hmm. now she has been tempted by her friends and Halloween candy and the cookies and the, you know, we just got done with Thanksgiving. So we had cheesecake and pie and, you know, all these things where now sugar is not a staple in her diet, but obviously she has sugar on a more regular basis. So what is it, Nick, what are your favorite snack ideas? How do we get more veggies in our diets for, especially for our children? I mean, we were at the doctor the other day and we eat, I would say we eat pretty healthy. I, you know, I feel like I cook a lot at home. I don't do a lot of processed foods, but one of the questions was how many fruits and vegetable servings does she have in like half cup servings? I had like a total guilt moment of like, probably not as much as she should. So I know you have children as well. What are some of your favorite snack ideas that they actually gobble up that are healthy? Yeah. So that's a really good question. And um, my family is not perfect by any means. We struggle with all of that as well. And as you say, as the kids get older, it is harder and harder to get them to kind of follow in your footsteps because they have their own ideas and they see what other kids are eating at school and all of this stuff too. So um, the, the biggest thing that I would say is that you have to walk the walk. You have to, you know, lead by example. And if, you know, if you're grabbing something healthy for a snack, they're much more likely to do the same thing, or they might just join along. I mean, there's so many times when, you know, I'll be making a snack for myself and I'll say, Hey, would you guys like some of this? And it's pretty easy to get them on board with that. So uh, definitely walking the walk so that they can follow in your footsteps. Um, As far as snacking go, to be honest, I try to limit snacking in general, just because I feel like it's better overall for our digestion if we just eat fewer meals throughout the day, but make them really well balanced and make them heartier meals. Um, Another reason why I do that is because I feel like if kids are constantly snacking throughout the day, it is a little bit easier for them to slide on some of those, you know, things that we know that they should be eating more, the fruits, the vegetables, those sorts of things. Um, So I try to limit snacking, but having said that, of course, everyone needs a snack now and then. So um, snacks my kids will almost always eat are things like apples and peanut butter or smoothies. And smoothies are a great way to, you know, stuff in some vegetables when they're not looking. You don't have to go straight up kale smoothie because that can taste a little bit intense, but even just throwing in a couple of carrots or even some right, like frozen riced cauliflower can really fit in really well without being noticeable. So I do that. Uh, They like hummus and vegetables. I like, you know, nuts, peanuts, those kind of kinds of things. I always try to do some sort of fruit or vegetable, and then some sort of protein with snacks, just as a general guideline. So that's a good place to start on snacks. But again, if kids are constantly eating throughout the day, they're not going to eat as well at at mealtime. So I really try to 
be more intentional about planning my meals at times when I know that my kids are hungry. That way they just, they do better when they're eating a meal when they're hungry. Of course, if they're not very hungry because they've just eaten a snack an hour before, well, they're probably not going to be as excited to eat those vegetables that you know you want to feed them. Okay. Both of us talk about trying to do our best and not being perfect. I, I am a big advocate that perfection is just something you, it's a mindset. It's something you put in your head because once you get to a point, you're always going to want to strive for more or not more stuff, but just to be better. So I really don't think that perfection is something that any of us can ascertain or get to, but what would you say now, since snacking is not ideal, obviously, what is, what would be kind of an ideal schedule? Because I'd like to at least start with what we should be shooting for so that we can at least get 80% there. So what, what would you consider an ideal kind of an eating schedule? And it all boils down to our digestion. So our digestion really does better if we allow it to rest and digest between meals. It just, it can have an opportunity to reset and get ready for a new meal if we've allowed some time between our meals. So ideally, if you can, if you can wait three to four hours between your meals, meals or snacks, that's, that's best. So that might look like eating breakfast at seven, lunch at 11, which seems a little bit early for some people. But if you can avoid having a 10 o'clock snack, then you will be hungry at 11. And then you might have kind of a heartier snack at say three o'clock in the afternoon. And then maybe dinner is at seven. Of course, there are so many variables with kid activities and all, all of it. But um, that's, that's one schedule that can be helpful for people to follow. Awesome. Thanks. I like, I like at least giving people something to strive for so that they at least know what they should be looking to do. Um, okay. So you talked about putting vegetables in smoothies. I adore the idea about the frozen cauliflower rice, uh, in smoothies. I've never done that. I'm definitely gonna have to try that. What other ways do you sneak in veggies? I love the sneaky attack, but oh yeah, I I do also like to tell my daughter she's eating vegetables. So then she understands that they're not terrible. Um, but what are some of the ways that you like to sneak them in? Yeah. So I agree with that a hundred percent. Like we don't want to mask all of the vegetables because then they'll be like, wait, I, I, I don't eat vegetables. And when they are, our goal is to create healthy adults who will want to cook vegetables for themselves too. So I think it's important to do a little bit of both, uh, just because by they're never going to eat as, as many vegetables as they should if they're just, you know, all out in the open, which is, so that's why I like to sneak in some veggies too. Um, So some of my favorite ways, like anything that has ground meat in it is an ideal way to sneak in vegetables. So if you're making sloppy joes or meatloaf or even hamburgers, um, you know, whether they're turkey burgers or pork patties or you know, with hamburger, whatever, um, you can, you can finally chop your vegetables and just put them in that way. Mushrooms work really well for that. Even like, don't discount adding onions, peppers, garlic, all of that counts. Like even your herbs and your spices are 
technically vegetables. They're coming from a, from a plant. So, um, all of it counts. So good. All of it counts you guys. And also I'd like to point out, I've never talked about my, what I like to eat really on the podcast, but Laura and I are friends. So she knows in real life that I actually don't eat anything with four legs. It's just a personal preference. It's no, I don't have any real strong feelings about it. Um, but so she keeps mentioning like Turkey and chicken. Cause that's me. That's the kind of stuff I love to do. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, um, but it's all on the table guys. Like she said, everything counts. So I love that because yes, I do think I discount onions, tomatoes, things that my daughter does genuinely like, or things that she doesn't even think about like the garlic and the tomato or the onions. And so, yeah, I discount that stuff. So thanks for the reminder on that. That's great. Yeah. And it can really add up. I mean, you can, you can just a little bit here and a little bit there can really, can really make a difference. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So let's come back to the season of the year. This is coming out the week after Thanksgiving. So we are in the, you know, smack dab in the middle of the worst eating season. Now, what would you say? Because again, everything in moderation is kind of my jam. I I'm not going to not have the sweets for the holidays. Again, this that 80, 90% try to be good <laughs> type of thing. But what would you say, you know, we've got the parties, all the, you know, events, we've got people give us gifts that are sweets. There are treats everywhere. So eating healthy this time of year has always been really tough. So how do you continue to eat healthier throughout the holidays? And what tips do you have for us? We will be right back. And now back to the show. Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say just remember that when you think about all of the different holiday meals that there are, or maybe you're going to some parties this year again, um, it really doesn't add up to that large of a percentage of the overall meals that you're that you're eating. So just remember that, hey, if you splurge, you know, on Christmas day, on Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve or whatnot, you're not going to ruin your whole healthy lifestyle. So just remember that. Um, and then just get back to the foundational best practices. So in my opinion, that would be making sure that you're getting plenty of fruits and vegetables in throughout the day, making sure that you're eating enough. A lot of women whether intentionally or unintentionally under eat. And so if you're undernourished, if your body is feeling like you're undernourished, then all of those tempting sweets that are around are going to be extra tempting because your body really needs more nutrition and it wants the quickest form of energy that it can find. And if that's a Christmas cookie or a, you know, a fancy little candy that you're, that you're seeing on the counter, that's what it's going to gravitate to. So make sure that you're eating enough for breakfast, try to get more protein in for breakfast, have balanced meals all throughout the day. Don't like save up your calories because, oh, I know that I'm going to be having, you know, a really big Christmas Eve dinner, for example, which might be in the evening. Um, don't save up and and like avoid eating all day that day. Just continue to eat your well-balanced meals throughout the day so that you aren't quite as hungry when the time comes to eat that, you know, fancy larger meal. You'll be much better off. 
Good point. I just did a quick calculation while you were talking and yes, there's 21 meals in a week, right? So Mm -hmm. if we eat one bad meal, it was 5% of our meals for the week of our full meals. And that's not including snacks. If we end up having, you know, a healthy snack kind of based on that ideal schedule. And so like you said, it really isn't derailing us. I think we do have a tendency. I definitely do of thinking like, okay, yeah, I've done that before where I've kind of saved up. I've been like, okay, I know I'm having a big meal tonight. I don't want to overeat. And I kind of, but it's interesting that that's counterintuitive or that you should still eat because yeah, then I guess right for Thanksgiving, I, you know, you'd only have one portion instead of two maybe, and you still get all the yummy stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I mean, it's also a mindset issue. It's not like you you never want to say, Oh, I, I had a really bad, you know, meal there because then just you're setting yourself up to say, Oh, I already blew it for the day. I might as well just go all out. Um, there's no blowing it. You just, you know, you indulged and you really enjoyed it. And if, as long as you do that and you have the right mindset around it, it's very easy to just get back to your, you know, more normal habits the next day. And you're not going to feel like, oh, I have to weigh overcompensate for what I ate the night before or whatever. The other thing is to, you know, just make sure you get some movement in for the day. It doesn't have to be crazy. Once again, it doesn't have to be hitting the gym for an hour the morning that you know you're going to be eating a heavier meal. But just whether it's a a nice walk after the meal or before, getting in some movement can really help as well. Hmm. And what you said there, I think I want to point out the in if you indulge, make sure you enjoy it. Take a moment and actually process the fact that you're eating this delicious item and actually take the time to taste it and enjoy it and savor it because i it can be so easy oh my gosh we would do this thing at where i worked before and people three people a day would bring in treats and so like the month of december was just like a gluttonous you had to avoid the kitchen because it was so easy to grab a donut grab a cookie grab a piece of pie grab I mean, you name it, it was always there. And so, yeah, you had to be really mindful about what you ate, but then once something good was there, yeah, enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. And as long as you are being intentional, I love that. Um, Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about is just like being intentional and knowing that, yeah, I'm going to eat pie on Thanksgiving and I'm going to love every bite of it you'll feel much more satisfied and fulfilled if you're not constantly giving yourself a guilt trip as you're eating it. You don't want to do that. No guilt guys. It's okay to live and, and do things (laughs) where none of us are perfect. None of us should strive to be perfect. That's no fun. Um, okay. Let's talk about food sensitivities a little bit, because that's what you specialize in. And I think food sensitivities are becoming a lot more common now. Actually, I have a two part of this question. Let's do the first one, which is how can we be good hosts to our guests that have food sensitivities? What are some of the uh, tips and tricks you have there? Is there a certain way we should ask? How can we go about being good hosts if we are opening up our homes to having people over for events? I am a big fan. If I am hosting or I encourage other people to do this too, is to just 
send a quick note to everyone you're inviting, or if you are inviting a larger group of people, you could put it on your invite to say, hey, if you have any food sensitivities, just let me know. Um, I'd like to accommodate everyone as, as best as I can. It really goes a long way to your guests who may have food sensitivities. The fact that you reached out, they're not going to expect you to accommodate every single one of their needs. Most people who have food, food sensitivities know that if they're going to a party, they either need to, you know, bring a dish that they can eat, or they need to make sure that they've eaten ahead of time so that when they get there, they're not relying on, you know, the food that you prepare to nourish them for the rest of the evening or however long they're going to be there. But it really goes a long way as a host to reach out to your guests and just ask. Um, and then if, if they have some really interesting food sensitivities that you don't know how to handle, just invite them to bring something, you know, say, Hey, I, I'm not sure I'd be comfortable accommodating everything that you, that all of your needs. I'm happy if you want to bring some food to share, or if you want to have your own serving that you, you know, eat on your own, I'm happy to bring it out with the rest of the meal. Um, most people will, will understand that too. And it's just, it opens up the conversation so that they feel comfortable, you feel comfortable. You can also ask them, hey, do you have any great recipes that, um, that I could make? You know, if, if you're not a comfortable cook, you know, yourself to seek out those recipes. Because I know for a lot of people who are hosting, you know, you kind of get into your groove, you know which dishes that you like to make when you're having people over. Um, and it can be a little bit of a challenge if there's someone who does have a food sensitivity. So that's where you can just open up the conversation to them and say, hey, do you have any recipes that that you like that I can that I can make? Awesome. Number two, some people might be listening to this and think, huh, I wonder if I have a food sensitivity, you know, I wonder if something I've been eating, you know, I haven't been feeling that great lately, or, you know, my digestion feels off. Maybe it is all this rich food I've been eating, but how would someone even go about knowing if they have a food sensitivity? Cause I do think sometimes, especially as we age, things can change. You know, we've had children, our digestion can change after that. What might be some tips or ways for people to know what they might be sensitive to or, or if they have a food sensitivity? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really boils down to what you're feeling after you eat. So most people realize that they are sensitive to certain foods. If they're constantly feeling certain symptoms after they're eating, whether it's, you know, excessive gas and bloating, or maybe, maybe they have, you know, they're constantly constipated or they're having lots of loose stools. Um, that can be a good way to know whether or not something is bothering you. And at the end of the day, all of those symptoms are just telling you that there's something wrong with your digestion or something is off. It might not be anything, you know, major, but it might be that you just have to get back to some of the best practices for good digestion, or maybe you've got a pathogen or an overgrowth that needs to be addressed. So there can be a number of underlying causes that would make a person have some food sensitivity symptoms. And that's what I really like to do is help people to investigate and do the detective work to figure out 
why am I having those sensitivities in the first place? Because it's no fun to really think about life and think about, you know, going the rest of your life without eating certain foods or, you know, thinking about, oh, well, if I eat certain foods, I'm just going to feel awful afterwards. No one wants to live their life like that. So I really prefer to help people to figure out why they're having problems with their digestion in the first place, get those addressed. And then more, more often than not, they won't have those food sensitivities anymore. That's great. So if you guys, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, not everybody feels like that after they eat something that that usually means that maybe you should do a little detective work. Okay. But let's jump back to the beginning of your journey. If you were starting your healthy eating journey over again, what would be one of the first things that you would do? Yeah, I would say I would just set more realistic expectations as far as how long things can take. I mean, if you've got some food sensitivities or some digestion, you know, problems, you kind of want to just flip a switch and, and get to feeling better really fast. And yeah, for some people, you can feel better very quickly, but for other people, it can take, you know, four months, even five to six months to really see that process all the way through. And, and really it's better that way because then you can really put into place some habits that are going to be more sustainable and longer lasting so that you can really feel better for the long term. Ooh, that, um, yeah, that rings a bell with minimalism for me too. Like, I feel like it is a journey that it's not an overnight fix. You know, yes, That's of right. course you, I could declutter my whole house. I could take everything out of my house. I could pack it all up. I've moved. I recently moved. So I did, I packed everything up that is possible, but that doesn't stop the stuff coming in. If you don't make a change and if you don't set the right mindset, you know, and if you don't embrace the fact that you need to do something a little bit different, and that the steps don't have to be big. I know you um, were talking about small steps um, earlier. What was that about small steps? You were saying that they add up or something like that? Yeah. So I think that people think that, you know, oh, I need to make all these big changes and do it, you know, over the course of, you know, of a week or a few weeks. But for a lot of people, just being intentional about small changes can really add up over time. And it's all about building those habits so that you can, can put practices into place that will be sustainable. And oftentimes, if you just work at one step at a time, it's, it's more sustainable for the long run. Oh, love that. So true. That is such good advice. Okay. So I know Laura, this has been so much fun and I know people are going to want to connect with you. And I know that your message is going to resonate with quite a few people that listen to this show. So where can people find you? So my website is freshfoodbites.com. And if you do struggle with IBS or any digestive problems, I've got a free guide that you can download there. I'm also most in, uh, active on Instagram right now. And my handle is freshfoodbites there. Fantastic. We'll make sure to link to all of these in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and you don't have a way to write this down at the moment, just make sure you go to the show notes and you will be able to find links to Laura and her free guide. And one of my favorite ways to end 
all of my shows is with a couple rapid fire questions. I have actually added one in. So I'm really excited to add this one to the mix. So there are four now. So I want to know the first one. What do you think of when you hear the word minimalism or intentional living? What does that mean to you? Okay. So to me, that means prioritizing the activities and or people that really light me up and make my life better. In the health arena, it would mean prioritizing eating intentionally so that I can have the energy that I, that I want to do the things that I want to do throughout the day. Awesome. And number two, what is, what has been your favorite simple pleasure this week? Oh gosh. I feel like I'm constantly thinking of those because that's one thing I try to do throughout the day is just kind of like make note of those because yeah, it's the little things. But when we were coming back from Thanksgiving, we saw this tree along the interstate and it was lit with lights like I've never seen before. And it was the most spectacular tree, like, you know, lit up, decorated for Christmas that I have ever seen. I love that. That's great. Just those little things, you guys, those little things do make a big difference. Okay. Number three, what is one piece of advice about life, decluttering, intentional living, anything healthy living that you would like to share that you haven't already today? Well, I'm not sure if I haven't shared it yet, but I don't know. I don't remember if I have, but I would say that taking care of yourself doesn't have to be complicated to be effective. So I think that people feel like, oh, I need to follow this really complex diet or, you know, like avoid this big list of foods or, or whatever to be, to be healthy or to have good digestion, but that's really just not the case. Don't overcomplicate it. That's good. And then the last one, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? So it's really making me happy to watch other women overcome their own digestion problems um, and overcome their own IBS. Just knowing the journey that I had with my own um, digestive issues and the how happy I became once I was through it all and was feeling really, really good. It's just really exciting for me to now watch other women experience the same thing. Isn't it great to help other people? I love it. Yeah, I agree. Well, like I said, thank you so much for coming on. I know that some people might have saw, seen the subject line and been like, ah, food, I don't understand. I thought this was a minimalism podcast, but I do think that there is a lot of overlap between living intentionally in our homes, in what we wear, in how we act, in what we eat, things we put in and on our body. I think they all work together. So I am thrilled to have you on the show today, Laura. And I am just, uh, thank you so much for offering such great advice and tips. And you guys, if you have ever been curious about this subject, or you want to figure out how to cook vegetables deliciously and other gluten and dairy free options, Laura is a fantastic chef. And honestly, you guys I've eaten at her house. She knows what she's doing. So (laughs) it's good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Laura. You're welcome. Have a great afternoon, Deanna. All right. Thanks. Bye. I love how approachable Laura is when it comes to healthy eating and her tips for getting your kids to enjoy more veggies in their diets as well. 
If you are struggling with how your gut feels throughout the day and think you might have a food sensitivity, please take some time for yourself and check out her resources. I'm pretty sure she also offers free consultations. You deserve to feel great, and while I can help you in your living environment, Laura is a great resource to help with your gut health. And even if you do not have food sensitivities or eat gluten or dairy-free, the free recipes on her website are delicious, so be sure to check those out. You can find the link to Laura's website and her social channels on my website at littlegreenbow.com slash 79. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 79. That just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I want to take a minute to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Wannabe Minimalist Show and have not done so already, go ahead and subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you are listening today. And when you subscribe, please feel free to leave a review. Your reviews help me be able to bring more guests onto the show. Reviews give me insights into what you want to learn more of, and your reviews help me know what you find most valuable. This podcast is created to be a resource for you. It's so that I can serve you on your journey to the home and life that you want. So your reviews help me know and understand what you would like to learn more about. All right, that takes care of our show for this week. Join me next week when I will be talking about the easiest way to declutter your holiday decor. I'll give you a hint. It's this time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas that makes it even easier. You will not want to miss it. I'll see you then. Cheers. Cheers.